You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hi, listeners. Today, my patrons on Patreon are getting an exclusive blind spot minisode called The Myth of Occult Illuminism that bridges part one and two of my Illuminati series. To give all of you a taste of the exclusive content that I provide to patrons on Patreon, and because it's been on my mind lately, what with all the terrible wildfires on the west coast of America, where I live, I thought I'd release an old blind spot minisode I did more than a year ago, which I called A Dark Day Indeed. I hope you enjoy it. Remember, during this time, I've paused monthly patron billing, so to get ad-free episodes and a whole back catalog of exclusive content, like the minisode I just released, all you need to do is pay your pledge amount one time. After that, you won't be charged on the first of the month until I resume billing. Part two of my Illuminati series should be showing up on time, and it's an extra long episode. Welcome to another Blindside exclusive episode, patrons. I'm calling this one a dark day indeed. In my last episode, I spoke of the primeval terror inspired by a mysterious blast that darkened the skies in Siberia and brightened the nights in Europe. While in the early years of the 20th century, the Tunguska event captured the interest of scientists, one can only imagine what superstitious and fantastical explanations might have been used to account for the phenomenon had it taken place further back in the darker ages of our history. But of course, we do have strange accounts of seemingly mysterious events that occurred, as well as records of how many tried to explain them. There were quote-unquote prodigies in the sky, such as the appearances of ships and armies in the clouds, and the emergence of multiple moons and suns, many of which I discussed in my episode, A Brief History of Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. Today, many of these would be explained easily as asteroids and comets, or as parhelia, or the aurora borealis. Another great example of puzzling phenomena attributed to supernatural causes would be the so-called Dark Day, which is recorded to have occurred in New England in May of 1780. There had been many quote-unquote dark days on record, but this uncommonly dark day has been remembered ever since as an unexplained occurrence. Grandmothers whispered to little ones about the day the sun was blotted out of the sky. And even a hundred years later, the poet John Greenleaf Whittier contemplated it, calling it, quote, a horror of great darkness, end quote. On May 19th, 1780, as the early morning sun shed its light on Massachusetts, already the sky seemed occluded by a red haze, and thunderclouds rumbled distantly. In Whittier's words, quote, The low-hung sky was black with ominous clouds, save where its rim was fringed with a dull glow like that which climbs the crater's sides from the red hell below, end quote. The wind blew in from the southwest, 
bringing the dark clouds with it, a gloom as of night. By mid-morning, absolute darkness prevailed, such that all business had to be conducted and all meals taken by candlelight. The darkness was of such a quality that it appeared to fool Mother Nature, for even plants and animals seemed to believe the day was done. Flowers curled closed, animals went to sleep, and nocturnal creatures ventured forth. Birds ceased to sing, Whittier tells us, quote, and all the barnyard fowls roosted, the cattle at the pasture bars lowed and looked homeward, bats on leathern wings flitted abroad, the sounds of labor died, end quote. Based on contemporary reports, we can discern that this preternatural darkness extended from Portland, Maine, down the coast of New England, covering some 180 miles in less than eight hours. The darkness persisted throughout the entire day. People reacted in just the way we might expect. Many were seized with terror, congregating in taverns and meeting houses to bemoan the certain calamities they anticipated. Surely, they thought, this is the end of days, in fulfillment of biblical prophecy, and one might forgive them this assumption. Birds were falling dead from the skies, as though a pestilence were abroad, and it certainly recalled the darkness that the Old Testament tells us fell upon Egypt, and that the New Testament says accompanied Christ's crucifixion. Science might tell us that those occasions may have been eclipses, but in 1780, men of science, or natural philosophy, knew there were no eclipses occurring that might have explained the darkness. So, as Whittier tells it, quote, Men prayed and women wept, all ears grew sharp, to hear the doom blast of the trumpet shatter the black sky, that the dreadful face of Christ might look from the rent clouds, not as he looked a loving guest at Bethany, but stern as justice and inexorable law." End quote. Those who did not leap to the conclusion that God's judgment was at hand speculated about natural but equally catastrophic causes. Perhaps a great volcano had erupted, or some gargantuan mountain had sprouted from the earth to block out the sun. In the late 2000s, articles in forestry journals announced that the quote-unquote dark day mystery had finally been solved. They referred to a 2007 article in the International Journal of Wildland Fire that published the results of a dendrochronological study showing tree ring evidence that appeared to prove conclusively the cause of the 1780 dark day. This study of forests in Lower Canada and around the Great Lakes, and even as far south as Missouri and Arkansas, discovered significant scarring on tree rings dated to 1780. This scarring is caused by forest fires. Moreover, the fact that tree rings formed after that year showed marked expansion indicates that the trees that survived the fires had little competition and were thus able to grow more showing that the forest fires must have destroyed a great many trees. The study indicates that 1780 was one of the worst fire years in that era. There had been a drought, which always makes for especially destructive fire seasons. Additionally, it appears that man had some hand in the increase of forest fires in that time, 
simply by the increase of settlement, which meant candles, lanterns, campfires, and even the purposeful felling and burning of trees. Then there were the conflicts between European settlers and Native Americans, which often saw fires set for defense or vengeance. The result was a year of massive forest fires in remote regions, emitting so much smoke that it eventually blew over New England and darkened the entire sky. Finally, modern science solves a historical mystery. But wait a minute, was New England's dark day really a great mystery as late as the 2000s? When one conducts serious historical research on topics like these, one discovers rather quickly that publishers like to play up the mystery angle for attention-grabbing headlines and to inflate the importance of whatever new information they're reporting. So we have academic journal articles in 2007 and 2008 grandly announcing the discovery of a solution to a mystery that scientists generally had already agreed on years before. For example, a 1915 article in Scientific American titled Dark Days and Forest Fires refers to a Forest Service list of 18 different dark days in American history, some with nicknames like the Yellow Day and the Smoky Day. And it makes it very clear that, quote, forest fires are the common cause of dark days in this country, end quote. Even the 2007 journal article on fire scars concedes that there was a consensus that forest fires caused dark days as long ago as 1881 when fires in Michigan and Ontario once again forced New Englanders to do everything by candlelight. In fact, even as the dark day of 1780 was happening, there were those who had a clear idea that the skies were being darkened by smoke from a fire. One of the clearest contemporary descriptions of the event comes from Harvard professor Samuel Williams, who describes every aspect of the day in great detail, from the color of the sun and moon through the haze, to the appearance and smell of the dark rain that fell, which he said was quote-unquote sooty, and which rubbed between thumb and forefinger left a scum described as quote, the black ashes of burned leaves, end quote. While he tends to speak in terms of quote-unquote vapors in the air, he still occasionally calls it smoke. And judging from the ashes mingled with the rain, he concludes that the cause of the dark day, quote, is easily ascertained. It is well known that in this part of America, it is customary to make large fires in the woods for the purpose of clearing the lands in the new settlements. This was the case this spring in a much greater degree than is common. End quote. While he may go on at length about the gravity of vapors, it is quite clear that he discerned even then that fires were to blame. So the real mystery is why, more than 200 years later, the dark day was still thought of as mysterious, and why academic journals would publish articles claiming to have solved the mystery when the learned and reasonable had recognized the true cause of that pervading darkness 
even while it still hung over them. Thanks for listening to this Blindside exclusive, patrons. Let me know if you're enjoying these mini-episodes, and keep an eye on your feeds for the next Blind Spot episode, in which I'll look further into the site of another massive impact, this one prehistoric, and consider what we know about it and what remains unknown.